Hello and welcome to The Dirt in association with the Organic Gardening Catalogue. We're the podcast that applauds everything you grow, even the weeds. I'm Laura, editor of Grow Your Own magazine. And I'm Blake, Laura's deputy. And today we'll be kicking off the new year talking about the biggest gardening trends of 2020, discussing tasks to get done this week. But before all that, we're chatting to Chris Collins from our podcast partners, the Organic Gardening Catalogue. Welcome, Chris. Hello, Chris. Hi. Hi. How are you doing? All right? Yeah, good. Thank you. How are you? Happy New Year. I'm excellent. Thank you. Happy New Year to you too. So now that we're in 2020, do you have any sort of resolutions in the garden this year or anything like that? Well, I saw, you know, my always think my main issue with it really, and I think this is for a lot of people, really, is time, isn't it? I think you need to make sure you've got time. I enjoy, especially the allotment, I enjoy being down there so much. And I think that you need to kind of budget for it a little bit in terms of your time. So I'm, I'm my yeah. New Year's resolution is to uh, is to spend spend as much as I, time as I can down there, really, as much as it allows anyway. Yeah, that sounds like a good resolution to me. So we'll just kick off firstly. Um, we like to be kind to our guests at the beginning before we get into the nitty gritty. Um, so can you tell us about some of your biggest gardening successes over your gardening career? Oh, well, there's quite a lot to choose from. I've been doing it sort of 35 years now. I think I've had some pretty standout moments um, in terms of my career. If you ask me about my career, obviously, I, I did Blue Peter for nine years and, and that and sort of inspiring kids to garden was, was oh. really interesting. Yeah, and I, I, a big part of that was um, was healthy eating and wildlife, which is now a really hot t- subject. So I'm quite yeah. proud that I was in amongst it right at the beginning. I have had some amazing times as well. I worked, I helped renovate the Limbay Botanic Garden in Cameroon, West Africa for a year. And I was oh, living, wow. chim- I was living with chimpanzees, and and that was just absolutely mine. I'm doing a lot of rainforest wow. inventory work. So I mean, I've had. I was in Tokyo for five years building container gardens. Container gardens is a big thing of mine. I do that at home here. I'm looking Amazing. at my garden now. Um, so I was kind of the first gardener to get. The three of us went with the first British gardeners to get visas to go and do that. And so it's been really. I'm a Westminster Abbey. I was the head gardener. I mean, I've had an amazing time to be honest with you. I owe horticulture an immense amount. I'm. Um, it's been very, very good to me. I've had an interesting life. Yeah, so it sounds amazing. What would you say are the biggest sort of differences? What were the biggest things that you had to adapt to growing in completely different conditions to what you'd be used to in this country? Yeah, well, you soon learn. It's funny, you know, I actually remember a story. I uh, I grew pelagoniums, obviously, you know, sort of um, half-hardy geraniums in, uh, in Tokyo. And I just had these massive beetle um, larvae will just destroy them absolutely destroy mm. them and you kind of oh. quickly learn yeah I know it was, it was it was it's one of those things I never really to this day knew what was doing it but I'd find these larvae and these things would be stripped and I think what happens is you try things you experiment and then they fail and you go well I won't bother doing that again <laughs> it's like it's, and I think that's really the art of gardening it's kind of a I think your wisdom is born from error when it comes to gardening so you kind of try stuff you move around and I think that's pretty much the fun in it isn't it and as you as like the years go by you get more wisdom and you get get better at it and yeah. you, you, you know and I think just that not being afraid to try stuff is quite important and then you'll do other stuff which is incredibly successful I remember I, I bought in I was the first guy to bring in um, David Austin roses oh, right. into Japan and uh, it was a big deal yeah it took three months to get them in and it was incredible we put them out we were, I think they were like ridiculously expensive 100 quid each or something and they sold in like, half an hour but I used quite oh. a few on um, on balconies like literally 10 floors up on a balcony in Tokyo and they just grew beautifully there no peace and D, nothing. It's um, so sometimes you just try things and you go, wow, that's really worked. Or you go, 
well, that, that's bombed. <laughs> I think the problem is when you're not sure why did one thing work and one thing not often. That's what I've heard. I'm like, right, I, I don't know what I'm learning from this because often it's just, yeah, you're not sure yeah. where you went uh, wrong with that thing. I think if you really like something, it's good to pursue it maybe. Try it, change, you know, it could be a soil thing. It could be it's good, there's too much, it's too exposed. Mm-hmm. It could be you might, the watering might be wrong. I mean, you just, if you think, you can tweak things to see if, if you really want to pursue it, you can tweak. It's good to experiment. I think gardening on the whole is an experiment in many ways and, and that's kind of the fun of it. I think you're in that, that's when you're in the realm of it. You're really enjoying yourself when you're trying new stuff out. And let's face it, you could live 10 lifetimes and you still wouldn't have touched the surface of it in many ways. Um, well, mentioning the things that didn't go quite to plan actually brings us on to our next question. Do you have any really notable gardening failures, things that really stand out to you that, you know, really, or any little funny stories? Yeah, there's a few. I've been thinking about a few. I think that, um, I mean, I've got a couple of funny stories. I mean, the first one I would say to you is like, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll start lightly as I, obviously my, I'm a big lover of Pak Choi. I lived out in the, in the you know, in, in Japan for years and I love Pak Choi. And, uh, but I quickly discovered so do pigeons. Actually, they're immensely friendly. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah my, my biggest nemesis on my allotment. So I would grow these things and they would just get just right. And I'm, I am in front of me, like with a bit of butter sauteed, packed choid, fresh out the ground is incredible. And it just get to the stage where I go, I'm going to really, and they, they would just devastate them. And it got so bad that I actually started using them as a as a companion plant and just so to keep them off my cabbages and my oh, really? pigeons are so keen on them. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I could, I, yeah, it's quite a rather expensive way, to be honest with you, and slow way of. of, of <laughs> deflecting pigeon damage but that was certainly i think the other thing you've got to watch as well i mean i do you know i've gone radio five and stuff quite a bit and the question i always get asked is slugs and snails every gardener will tell you that one that you always get yeah. asked slugs and snails what's wrong with my lawn and what what can i do about <laughs> slugs and snails and uh, and i think one lesson with it is uh, is to make sure you don't create environments they thrive in so i put i when i got my new allotment it was very overgrown no one had been on it for a long time and um, so I had lots of, I dug up lots of stuff I didn't know what to do with. And I had a lot of clinker and sort of tarp and stuff, top holding. And I put all that down. And um, all I did is I just gave a massive housing to slugs and snails because they all just underneath it. And they hibernate in it and they, and they crash in it when there's no, when it's too hot. So mm-hmm. keeping, a, keeping an area simple and clean, maybe with grass paths, that kind of thing was a kind of a big lesson I learned when I took over this current allotment. Yeah, I think that's good because if you're just giving them an, an environment to, you know, yeah, exactly. They're right there, yeah. aren't they? It was a city. That, it was a population the size of London underneath that tarp when I took it up again. <laughs> there was just so many of them there. It really was incredible. I mean, I've had some funny moments. I, I went going right back to when I first started gardening. I, I think one of my favourite stories is I um, I was putting a fence post in uh, a big for a gate, a big old post, and it was clay soil. Yeah. It was in Horsham in Sussex, and I was digging down with a, a tool called a grafter, which is what they kind of put lampposts in. And I got down quite deep, but I couldn't. It was really raining. And I couldn't get the last bit of soil out, so I leant in and then promptly fell in. And, uh, and then, oh, got, no. then, got, yeah, then got wedged in it. And uh, it's the second day I was on the firm. And it was raining, and I was thinking, this is going to be a really strange way to drown. And, uh, and my for- foreman came back and had to pull me out of the hole, which they made a really loud plopping sound as I was released. So that's probably that my favourite. Sitcom my favorite. Like, <laughs> Yeah, it was. The it was first proper, impression was, you wanted to probably, make. Yeah, probably um, faulty tower stuff, you know what I mean? It was, yeah. 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 Um, <laughs> so the moral of the story is is don't lean into a hole if it's too deep. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's the takeaway, <laughs> listeners. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah. But the, we want to look at the the failures so that any sort of new gardeners that might be listening can understand that obviously yeah, they yeah. happen to anyone and you know sure. just 
keep on going. So have, would you yeah, say you've got yeah. any tips that you've sort of come across over the years for overcoming any of that? Maybe not the falling in the hole, but overcoming <laughs> yeah, overcoming yeah. any Certainly. other failures? I, I, I was think that really quite important. One of the mistakes I make, I think, is I, I get hasty. I get a bit overexcited around March. And I think if you're going to start, I like growing stuff from seed. And I think a lot of people do. Not all of us have access to a greenhouse, et cetera. So yeah. I think just timings is quite important. What will happen is I, I have a, I'm looking at them now. I have a series of propagators in my office all up against the window. But you have to remember in a home, the light levels are much lower than they would be in a proper growing environment, like in a greenhouse. Yeah. So just start them a bit later on. Because otherwise what will happen is you, you get elongation. You'll get these nice big plants, like say a runner bean, if you start them too early. And then actually when you come to plant them, have very little roof, root growth on them so they've produced all this top growth because they're stretching for the light but very little root growth so just make sure don't be too much in a rush make sure things like tender plants like pumpkin or runner bean or tomatoes leave it a little bit get let, wait wait till april wait a bit longer in the year the light levels are a lot higher and they're not so long sat in a propagator or sat in a pot indoors yeah and i suppose as well thinking about where your allotment is located in the country as well has a big impact on that doesn't it It certainly does well i lived in scotland i've studied in scotland for three years and you wouldn't be thinking about tomatoes in april at all I tell you. <laughs> so, you know so it does but just make sure they're not sat around in in, in uh, conditions which are ultimately quite hostile to those plants for too long would be my tip mm. so if you think about the big golden rule in garden when i was on the parks they would say never plant anything tender out to the first of june you can probably pull that forward a bit now because the climate seems to be, be a bit milder. But make sure you get you obviously get radiation frosts as well. People don't know about this. So you'll put something out. It's a lovely, clear, sunny day. The sun will go down. All the heat escapes and you'll get these air frosts, which can check mm. damage. So there's no reason. If you see a petunia on sale in March, don't buy it would be my tip because you're going to suffer those cold nights later down the line. So it is really about not too much haste. And after 35 years of professional growing, I still manage to be too hasty. It's so difficult, isn't it? Because you're yeah. so keen well, just yeah. to get yeah, you going. Get well, you just want to get started. Yeah. You just get overexcited. I mean, I'm looking, I'm on Twitter and you look at everybody, oh, I've just bought my seeds, I've just bought my seeds. So everyone's itching at the bit already and we have to remember mm. it's still January. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so just moving on to our our next point, we were just wondering, do you have any sort of shortcuts or cheeky little hacks that you might be able to tell the listeners about? Well, yeah, there's a few things I use. I mean, I mean shortcuts is a difficult one. I'm, I'm always kind of, people say, I've got people I want a low maintenance garden, but there's always got to be some work done on it. So I'm always mm-hmm. a bit nervous about this because, well, for example, um, if I have a balcony garden, I forgive it 15 minutes a day. I mean, it looks incredible this year, but that 15 minutes was really important. And so I like mm-hmm. to emphasize, make sure you commit that time to it. But there's little things like you can really help you on the way. I'm a massive user of seaweed extract. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. The first three months of the season and I dilute it and I tend to spray it on onto the leaves. I do it early in the morning when there's no wind and I'll probably do that every three weeks. And you just get these really stocky, plants really quite tough plants it's full of um trace element and goodness like that and it's like a tonic and i think that helps me out quite a lot further down the line because i think I'm, they're less prone to pest and disease they're more sturdy i get higher fruit off them so maybe just the, the the things you're using in terms of fertilizer look at that and that will save you a lot of work further down the line if that makes sense yeah absolutely so you spray it onto the plants rather than i do yeah well, my it in. Yes, that's my theory. When I start as a, as a um, um, I mean, this isn't scientific. It's just always the way I've done it. When I started as a gardener, I worked with the tropical collection of Brighton Parks. And the guy there used to spray all the tropical plants down. And the theory is, is obviously every leaf has a stomata. And if it's still day and it's uh, early morning, obviously those stomata are open. The plants exchanging gases and it will imbibe 
that fertilizer straight into the into the pipework, the vascular bundle of the plant. So this, I just use it. I've always done it that way because that guy kicked me off, and I intend. I always, I've, I've plenty of success with that. Plenty of success. I think also you're talking about the 15 minutes thing. That, that's not a load of time to take out of your no, days. Well, it's, it's, it's not. Sure. It's not. It, even the allotment you need. I mean, probably allotment. Obviously, you need an hour at least, or if yeah. you need to go down and water it. Uh, the, the the big point I would make as a gardener, right, is is your tech. The, the most difficult job is watering. People think it's the easiest one, but I think it's probably the most difficult one because you need to think mm -hmm. about it. So a lot of people might stand back and water in the middle of the day or spray things or hose pipes wrong. You have to water everything direct. So when I water my balcony, I water every plant direct. And what's happening then is I'm bonding with those plants because they're getting bigger. Mm -hmm. And also at the same time, I'm checking all the other jobs that need doing. Do they need fertilizer? Uh, uh, do they need uh, picking over? Um, so I'm actually looking at the plant health while I'm watering. So I'm doing all the jobs a gardener does through the vehicle of watering. So I would never mm -hmm. skimp on that. I just think it's the it's the fundamental job to do, particularly if you're on a balcony in containers, obviously, because they're very much prone to drying out. And I guess it, yeah, just, that saves time as well because you're doing it all in one. You know, you're doing everything. Yes, you are. You're thinking about it at the same time. So, so it becomes a mindset, uh, Blake. You know, it becomes an absolute mindset. And and you know what? It's just a brilliant way to start the day because then I, when I've got an umbrella on my nose on the tube, I'm not feeling so angry about <laughs> it, mate. <laughs> yeah, sure. The other thing I thought tip-wise as well is quite good because obviously I'm, I'm an organic gardener and that's now becoming a massive thing in, in horticulture, which is great news. But little things like you don't really need to go out and buy uh, pesticide to take dandelions out your patio just use the boiling water from a kettle after you've made a mm -hmm. cup of tea and that you know little things like that will just save money and time i think and it's just like kind of thinking laterally really um just coming back to your balcony garden for a minute um if there was someone who perhaps doesn't have an an outdoor space particularly or access to an allotment or anything and wants to yep. start a container garden what yep. would you say are the most important considerations before you start a container garden well, certainly, certainly your soil is really, really vital. Yeah, so, so, so making sure you get a decent soil. None of this three bags from a tenner stuff from the local DIY mm. store. I would, I would not skimp on soil at all because then you've just got a decent substrate in that you can add then fertilizer to and so, so go by. I think you have to look, look, look a little bit of wind. If you're in a really woodeny exposed side, you might want to put some sort of large evergreen plant in where, on the exposed side to slow that wind down. I have a jasminium officinale all along my balcony. It just cuts that wind chill down a little bit. So mm. there are two things as well. And then I think maybe you know start start with stuff that's going to be successful. I grow a lot of veg, uh, um, salad leaves, rocket, all that kind of thing, and I mix it with bedding. So you can put a load of pelagonium out, pretty hard plants, throw a little bit of cut and come again salad leaf in. Very, very easy to do. I've, I have roses on there, they'll grow all right on the balcony. So start with stuff you know that's quite tough, you know that's going to survive, and then you build your confidence up. No, that's great advice. And um, just to, to tie things up, we like to ask our guests, what is the biggest lesson you've learned since you've been gardening? Don't fall down a hole. No, no, I'm joking. <laughs> yeah. That's it. That's fine. Yeah. Yeah, and you're speaking yeah, from experience. Yeah, yeah. 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 You're not a gardener until you're falling down a hole. That's my motto. Anyway. <laughs> That's probably yeah, true. Yeah, yeah I, think, I think the biggest thing about it really is uh, don't take it for granted. You've got to move with the elements. So there's all this talk of climate and stuff at the moment, which is really important. But I, I've been a gardener for 35 years and I know – that I have to bend to to the, to the climate. So, so a couple mm -hmm. of years ago, for instance, we had a hot summer. I had brilliant aubergines, brilliant tomatoes. It was really good for those sort of med plants. Last mm -hmm. year, that wasn't so good. It was much wetter and cooler. So you kind of have to take some successes and losses. So last year was brilliant for things like I had loads of spinach and cut come again and that kind of thing. Brassicas were amazing. So you kind of just 
look at the weather, look at the, look at what it's doing, and keep an eye on that, and uh, and try and, uh, and grow accordingly. I think because you're working with it rather than against it. You're not the master; it is. And I mm-hmm. think that, remember, nature is the boss. is is a good rule of thumb when you're a gardener. Yeah, that's really true. It's been really great chatting with you today, Chris, and we're really pleased that you will be joining us for the rest of the run to give us an organic tip each week. So we look forward to seeing you again next week. Nice one. You have a good day, yes? You too. And Blake, for us now, we'll head to the team chat. So shall we grab a cup of tea? Yeah, I'll go and get Rose and then we can have our team chat. Laura, that was really something. Talking to Chris, he just had so much information. Yeah, it was amazing. He's gardened all over the world and got so much experience. It was really interesting. And so really good anecdotes. Yeah, absolutely. Anyway, we've got Rose with us now to join us for the edit team chat. So hi, Rose. Hi, Rose. Hello. How are you both? Good. How good. are you? Good. Yeah, I'm good. Did you both um, have a good break? Yeah, it was break? lovely. Yeah, feel refreshed and ready to go. I lovely. also did take a trip to a garden centre over the Ooh, New Year break, so that, that was really, nice. really nice. I didn't buy too much just because I was trying. I was kind of window shopping a little bit. I wanted to get some ideas and just get excited about and kind of itching to go on into the New Year. Yeah. So. Well, it seems far off, but it's not. It'll, we'll get there. Exactly. I can actually help you there. Maybe, with your garden centre shopping. Help away. Because I found a story um, from Country Living about the top garden trends of 2020. So do you want a trendy garden? Always want a trendy garden. Who doesn't want a trendy garden? Well, I mean, I'm sure you'll both be pleased to hear that one of the points um, was growing your own. Whoop, whoop. Um, And (laughs) I was saying that the reasons behind that is to help support the environment and reduce plastic waste and things like that. Mm. And also there was another trend that was natural aesthetics in the garden. So things like bug houses and log piles so this is like ditching like, like the man manufactured stuff yeah. like the plastic get back to nature it. yeah yeah i like that do you have a bug house i don't but i feel like i should get one because i live in the middle of town so i'm in an urban area i feel yeah. like it might be a good thing to maybe invest in but i haven't really i'd want to look in to see what was the best one to get i think yeah. i love this i especially the um sort of building natural resources for wildlife because mm. um, mm-hmm. the BBC released the garden audit not long ago and it said in that that we're not doing enough to help um, specifically like hedgehogs and bats but we could do more for sort of wildlife in general mm. so the fact that people are actually acting on this and thinking about how can I change my garden to make it more friendly for wildlife is so good I'm really excited about it definitely and I think as a trend, grow your own is obviously going to be up there as one of the things because it links into everything else. If you're looking at in the new year as a resolution to kind of change your habits on eating or try and get a bit healthier yeah. or to try and reduce your impact on the planet or, you know, to use less plastic or whatever your yeah. whatever your resolution is this or year, then it ties into grow your own and that can boost yeah. all of those things. So, Or even just having it as a hobby. I mean, coming into the new year, a lot of people think, I really want to start doing something with my time. Um, you know, I feel like I'm working all the time and I don't have any anything to do just with m- just myself. So mm. um, gardening you start is start reassessing your life, don't yeah. you? And you think like, what do I, you know, what's my work life balance yeah. like? And I think having something like gardening, which can take maybe an hour of your day, just means mm. that you've got some time to do something else yeah. that isn't part of your daily routine yeah, normally. Definitely. I think that I'm going to use the reusing and recycling side of things as well, maybe for a bug house. Uh-huh. Um, because I've got lots of 
bamboo canes in my shed that don't all get used every year. Some of them are plant supports, some of them are broken in half. What is it with hoarding bamboo canes? Because every gardener <laughs> I know just has tons yeah, yeah. of them. My mum has so many. The yeah. ones that have broken in half or for any reason I'm not using this year, make my own bug house out of them. Ooh, get a or second solitary give bees them a second life. And things like that. Yes. I like it. Love that. Okay, so I've got another um, veg rubbing themed story for you, and it is Lovely. that LG has unveiled an indoor gardening appliance, which is targeted at urban dwellers. So I've looked at images of it online, and it looks a bit like a giant fridge. Um, so you keep it in like your kitchen, I presume. Um, and this appliance is sort of has an, a built-in indoor garden that has water, lion, air, temperature control. So it functions wow. a bit wow. like. Um, a hydroponic system mm-hmm. so i think they said they have about like 24 c packets that you can buy and you pretty much just put them in your um your sort of growing fridge as it were um and i don't know if you have to get soil or if it's included but basically it sort of does it all for you um it mimics temperatures of the outside so um it can sort of like function almost like you're growing in the outside. But mm. It's not. like a little all-in-one kitchen yeah, garden, but it's right. Much. You know, you don't have to go outside no, to actually go and yeah. get your stuff. It's right yeah. there. And it just does it all for you, really. It's like the ultimate plot to play. Yeah. Yeah. And that really opens it up to people that don't have any outdoor space. Because I know often we consider mm. people with small amounts of outdoor space, like a balcony garden or a small patio or something. But this really allows people who don't, don't have, have any space yeah. at all to scratch the growing mm-hmm. itch. And I mean, obviously... Growing in the elements is probably, you know, the best thing for you because, you know, you're outside, you're in nature. But at the end of the day, any growing is still great. And if you, like you say, if you don't have any outdoor space and you want to just start eating better produce that you've grown yourself, then this is a great alternative. Like, I presume it's probably a bit pricey, but... Um, I really like the idea of just being able to, like, yeah. open this door and, and then there and is all, all of your... Pick my fresh salad. Well. Yeah. Yeah, so also, it's cool. probably the only growing method that I reckon is 100% slug-proof. That is so <laughs> <Yeah>. true. <laughs> if you get slugs in there, then I think you're yeah. doing something bad and wrong. <laughs> yeah, but um, I thought that was quite interesting. Something for the future, anyway. So Laura and Rose have been getting a bit giggly because I came marching in today with two calendars and one of them is slightly risque. Um, They're both gardening related. um, And the first, the reason why they're laughing is because the first one is the Naked Gardeners 2020 calendar. So it's got a cover with uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight scantily clad men um, (laughs) who are trimming some hedges uh, in not very much Wow, nothing like that to cheer the morning up at work. Exactly. Way to start the year. (laughs) Um, It it does actually have a serious message because when you open it up, it's um, perennial, which is a gardening charity that focuses on people that work within horticulture and offering them support when they need it. So it's kind of got a a good message behind it too. It's not just all about the naked men. Which would Um, be great as... Just as a calendar, but the <laughs> fact that it's got... <laughs> I mean, or is that, you don't need the charity angle. <laughs> no, what I'm saying is that it's even better than it's for a cause. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> raising money. And the men, it's got like a mixture of people in it and they're kind of like people that are on Instagram or that are well-known within the industry or they, you know, manage a garden, that kind of thing. So it's really great that they've all got involved, got their kit off and they're doing yeah. some good for charity. It's so body so positive. I it's worth it. checking it out and... Um, and yeah, there's lots of, it's a surprise every month, so you turn it over and you don't know what you're going to find. At least January doesn't, they haven't stuck them right in the freezing cold in January. It doesn't look too <laughs> cold, but yeah. And they've got accessories too, like yeah, they've they, fought it through. Yeah, they have. There's um, 
there's a few, you know, hats and stuff to keep them warm. Um, and the second calendar that, because I, I don't think you can have too many calendars yeah, um, because it's good to get organised. But the second one is actually from Charles Dowding and it's slightly less risque. He's wearing clothes. He is wearing clothes. <laughs> yeah, just to be um, And the pictures are actually of his garden uh, each month and it offers you some tips and some advice on what you can do um, if you're trying to follow his no dig gardening technique. That's so handy to sort of walk you through the year if it's your first year doing no dig. Yeah and if you listen to the podcast that we did with him I kind of was won over by his no dig argument and I'd never tried it before but this year I am going to try it so I'm going to do this on my plot and I'm really glad that I've got this kind of step-by-step guide which is really really helpful. So Does it um, give you does it say when you need to do things? Like, say, th- or is it more? Yeah, like it's a kind of time sensitive. So oh, each cool. month, it's telling you yeah. a few things that you should be That's doing, which so is really good. And if you want more information, obviously, he does write an article in Grow Your Own, so <laughs> yeah. he gives yeah. you even more there. But this is a really nice sort yeah. of snapshot of some things that you should do. Oh, I can yeah. see it's got proper writing on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because really I mean, just calendar on its own is still useful, but the fact it's actually got helpful pointers on it is even it more reason to get it. Yeah. His garden's so impressive as well. I know it's. It's I have real garden envy. Spectacular, to be honest. Um, so you can find both of these online if you go to perennial.org.uk or to charlesdowding.co.uk and then you can find them if you wanted to check those out. Um, Lovely. But anyway, talking about jobs that you need to do on the plot, I'm going to give you some tasks for this week. Um, and if you two get back to the office and I'll see you in a bit. Yeah, Easy. see you in a bit. With spring still a way off, it's not time to fully immerse yourself in the garden right now. But there are still tasks to get done in anticipation of the growing year ahead. So dust off your most comfortable footwear, grab your warmest and most weatherproof jacket and head down to your plot. If you've had Brussels sprouts on the go, then the harvest won't have ended on December the 25th. So continue picking sprouts once they're walnut-sized and aim to take from the bottom of the plant first. You can also harvest cabbages, parsnips, swedes, kale and leeks this month. For greenhouse growers, some gentle housekeeping won't go amiss. Check gutters and clear of any debris that's built up over the autumn and winter months. Clean down any pots and trays and keep a careful eye on any of your overwintering plants for signs of pests or disease. Herbs that have been grown outdoors like mint, parsley and chives can be potted up and brought indoors for better care over the winter. Just pop them on a south-facing windowsill. Now is the time to dig over your plot as this will allow you to remove and dispose of any rotten edibles lurking beneath. We'll be back again next week with more growing antics, but until then, happy growing. Thanks again for listening to The Dirt in association with the Organic Gardening Catalogue. Whether you're an accomplished organic grower or just interested in learning about growing in a more natural way, the Organic Gardening Catalogue is for you. They're the one-stop shop for all things garden-related. They've got a fantastic selection of seeds, plants, tools and more. Be inspired by growing organic, whether it be in a garden, an allotment or even on a city balcony. Visit organiccatalogue.com for more. And don't forget to subscribe to The Dirt for free to make sure you never miss an episode. We'd love it if you rate and review wherever you get your podcasts and don't forget to tell your allotment neighbours. We have some really exciting guests coming up and one of them could be you. Do you or someone you know have some great gardening advice, dirty gardening secrets or funny disasters on the plot? Email thedirt at growfruitandveg.co.uk to let us know. Plus, as a special treat for a monthly dose of trusted garden advice from the whole Grow Your Own team, 
we've got an exclusive offer just for the Dirt listeners. Head to growfruitandveg.co.uk forward slash pod G, that's P-O-D-G, or call 0800 904 7000 and quote pod G to get three issues of Grow Your Own magazine for just £6. And every issue comes with a selection of free seeds. Check the episode notes for details and terms.